So last week we were really just in verse one. And what we're seeing is, is our need to seek, you know, just humility in order to, to seek unity. And in verse one, we saw that if you can see everything that God's done for you, then, right, it's an if-then proposition here in these first four verses. If you can see everything that God's done for you, how God's working in and through your life, well then, you are owe, you owe, right? Then you must do what you gotta do for your brother. If you can see God working in your life, then you need to humble yourself and be used of God to work in the lives of others. And so we'll look at verses two through four this morning. Last week we saw, if we're gonna have joy in our life, there can be no joy until we submit to the pattern of the life of Christ. And what did Christ do? He, in humility, sought our welfare. And so for the joy that was set before him, he despised the shame, he took up his cross, he went to Calvary because he was buying a bride. So he could die to all of his rights and in joy, rejoicing, he could lay down his life for you and me. So if God's provision is a reality in your life, then we gotta submit the focus of our life to match Christ's estimation of others. And so, um, you know, it might take you a minute to turn to the person next to you, but, but find them and tell them, you're better than me. I can esteem you better than me. Because that was the creator's estimation of that person, to esteem them better than you. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad he did. I don't understand it. I'm just glad he did it. Now, knowing that, that's what made Paul a menace to Satan. He knew he could lay down his life in God's service. So what can Satan do? I mean, if he locks Paul up, well, then Paul's just winning his jailers to Christ. Go! You know, he can't, he can't win there. If he, if he gets locked up, he's writing letters that influence millions for ages to come. We're still getting blessed over Paul's life at the end of a chain in a Roman prison. If you set him free, then he wins whole continents to Christ. And if God lets Satan take Paul out, well, then Paul's just going to face it and win a martyr's crown to the glory of Christ. Oh, you know, he can't win with this guy. Paul knew he had victory in Jesus that in Christ he was more than a conqueror through him. And when we get to chapter three, we're gonna see Paul's estimation of himself after the flesh. In the flesh, he's nothing. He knows that. But in Christ, he has, he is, right? He has everything. In me, nothing. In Christ, infinity. That's why he can say, and let's just pick it up again here in Philippians chapter two, verse one. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, again, if you can see how God has got you, then here's how you need to get others. Verse two, fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that's what we're gonna see this morning. We're, gonna, we're not gonna be able to get through this whole passage today, but, but Lord willing, we'll get through verses two through four. And we're gonna see the, one of the keys to joy if we're, gonna, if we're gonna listen, if we're gonna respond to a plea for unity, well then we gotta be like-minded. And so get this down in your notes. There's gotta be joy in unity. That's what Paul is saying, verse two. Fulfill ye my joy, right? Fulfill you my joy. You wanna make my life, here it is, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Paul has joy in his life in Christ and so should we. There is joy in being unified with your brothers and sisters. There's great joy in that. Paul has joy because he is humble and he's unified with his brethren in Christ. And so we need to follow that example. We must be in one love. We must be together of one accord and like-minded, of one mind. Now I can talk a lot about unity and love and you can still sit there with your arms crossed. But you need to know that For you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, as members of this local church, our independent mindset is not authorized by the Bible. Check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Paul says your division is outside of God's will. Well, how are we all gonna get on the same page? How do we all mind the same thing? How can we think in the same way? Well, Romans chapter 12 tells us, and I know this is a pretty sharp crowd, so I don't have to, I don't have to necessarily go there, but Romans 12 tells us we're to renew our minds. Our minds need renewal. Our our minds need constant adjustment, so we need to renew our minds. How do we do that? We need the mind of Christ. We renew our minds in the Word of God. We don't renew our minds in the world because that's going to not only cause us to stray from our relationship with Christ, not only is it going to cause us to stray outside the will of God, but it'll cause us to drift apart from one another. We gotta get God's mind into our mind. God's thoughts have to be our thoughts. See, if we all get submitted to the Bible's thoughts, then that will, that will, that will bring an end to constant strife and discord in our ministry. If our thoughts are submitted to the, to the Bible's thoughts, that's good. If we don't submit to the Bible, well then we're gonna be a source of strife and division. And on top of that, right, if that's you, if you're gonna not submit, to the Bible's thoughts, then you're gonna be a miserable Christian because you're outside the will of God. You'll be miserable, you're gonna make other people miserable, and you'll end up causing division in this church. All of that is a foul. All of that is out of bounds. Well, how do we get on the same page? You need to be talking to your pastors. Talk to your Bible study leaders. Talk to your discipler. Uh, Let's reason together, okay? Let's get on the same page. Let's talk, let, let your pastors talk to you. Let your Bible study leaders talk to you. Let's get on the same page together in the pages of God's word. Well, what if our pastors are wrong? 
Well, in Ephesians chapter four, the Bible lays out a ministry model where the pastors and the teachers make sure that we're all looking at the Bible right. The reason that you're in this church is because you agree with the doctrine of this place. Okay, so there is a biblical structure where now you teach the doctor with it, the doctor, the doctrine. You teach the doctrine within those bounds, right? Within those doctrinal bounds, you're free to roam about the Bible. If you don't agree with the doctrine of this church, well, then you want to find another church. You always want to be in a church where you agree with the doctrine. Now, here's the thing. There is not a church on this planet where everyone will agree with everything. We all get that, right? Not everybody is going to agree over everything, but that's why it is critical for us to endeavor, that's how Ephesians 4 begins, if we're going to fight, if we're going to strive over anything, it's going to be to find the place of unity. We're going to endeavor to keep the unity that we have in the spirit. That is, these are all commands. You don't get to let, I don't get to let, right? We don't get to let our opinions cause division in the brothers and sisters of Christ bled to unite. You don't get to do that. That's a foul. Well, what if you're wrong? Okay, well, can I just tell you something? You've got a passionate preference. You've got passionate opinions about what the Bible says. But if no other mature pastor can get with what you're, with what you're preaching, what does that say about your points? But I'm right. Hebrews 10 says right now, we should not be forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Well, you've got a perspective on that. Guess what? The pastors who wept and met and studied and researched We've got an opinion about it as well. And if you're at the place where you're saying, man, the church messed up by, 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 by self-isolating, by quarantining, but we didn't, did we? Because we did assemble, we did meet together online. You know, the bottom line is, is uh, you know, no government official, no government official is gonna lead perfectly. There are no perfect people. Whenever this started out as we need to flatten the curve so we don't overwhelm the health system, well, that makes sense. And then they all get mission creep. <laughs> and then we started giving feedback. A lot of the pastors in the metro got a copy of a letter that I sent to the mayor because I did, it, it went from common sense to now the curve is flattened. It starts turning into overreach. And the bottom line is, is the healthcare system is not overwhelmed. And so... For those that are able, we need to start assembling together, and we need to be able to self-manage. I got everything I asked for. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful. Thank God. Thank you for praying for our mayor. He listened to common sense reason. It was really good. I'm sure I'm not the only one that sent him a letter telling him what we needed as a local church. Church had no business. Like I told you in a Tuesday night prayer meeting, I know of a case of an individual who who uh, started talking trash on his church and on his pastor and said that the churches, whenever they went to assembling online, because a church is a called out assembly, they've invalidated themselves as a church and they're no longer a functional church. We did not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We met online, we met on Zoom, and this was for a time, right? We were hindered for a season. Paul had people that he had to get with, and yet he was hindered for a season. Pray. That was his position. Pray so that we can be reunited. So that's what we have been doing. So help us, God, by his grace, we will never forsake the assembling of ourselves together. 
Oh yeah, no, online doesn't count. Okay, you hypocrite. You hypocrite. Every time you see me, you don't greet me with a holy kiss. Hello, somebody. I mean, it, if the Bible says it, that settles it, right? How come every time you see me, you don't greet? You've never done that. You've never greeted me with a holy kiss. You hypocrite. You don't, you don't believe, you don't obey the Bible anyway. Is this making sense? Okay, we get it. Culturally, <laughs> that's what they did. They greeted one another with a holy kiss. That's, that was what they were supposed to do. We do handshakes. Now it's morphing into elbow bumps. <laughs> Brethren, greet one another. <laughs> and here's the other thing, okay? If somebody's telling you, uh, the Bible says I gotta greet you with a holy kiss, you got your mask on and you're protecting yourself because your grandma or your grandpa is immunocompromised do not let that person molest or bully you. So here's the rule at MBT, okay? You're coming in for the loving. If somebody offers you their elbow or they put your hands up, they've got somebody they're trying to protect. Respect that. Your brothers and sisters are worth your humility. You don't have to get arms around that person. You're hindered for a season. Pray, and we'll get back. Man, we'll get back before you know it. We'll all be snuggling. Uh, it might go next level. Culturally, it may change. We might be all greeting one another with a holy kiss. Praise the Lord. I think kisses are awesome. Okay, now I'm off track. <laughs> Somebody remind me to get Cheryl to put another amen in the, ca- in, the, in the chat, in the live stream service. We're wrong for su- shutting down in the, in the, serv- you know, the, the physical meetings in our services. Okay, so you're okay with MBTS, right? You're okay? with the fact that the healthcare system does get overwhelmed. You're okay with us burying MBT members? What? I mean, that's just crazy. Now, this is America. You do have rights, you do have liberties. Uh, just f- as far as, I'm, I mean, we're showing. We, we, if you're sitting on the blue tape, you're social distancing, right? If you're six feet away, you're social distancing. Uh, so that's good, we've got that marked out there. Uh, if you don't, if you want to sit next to some, you're welcome to do that. If you want to hug and kiss, hug and kiss for all I care. What we're doing as a church is we're recommending the CDC guidelines. And if anybody doesn't respect your need to social distance, we're going to deal with them. Uh, no one gets to force their passionate opinions on anyone. Uh, you better hug me. If you love Jesus, you're going to hug. No, you're being a bully. Does that make sense? Bible says greet one another with a holy heart. Well, actually it doesn't. It says greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> so if we're gonna obey the, that's what we do every time. We, we all get what the Bible is saying. Is everybody with me so far? Is this making sense, what I'm saying? Uh, we get, we don't actually lip lock here. That's not our culture, okay? Uh, we're, we're in a culture that, I mean, unless COVID's changed it, it's always been handshakes and hugs. Uh, maybe, that, maybe that changes. We've got to have a way. Again, we're in a season where we're providentially hindered, but we have to have. It is biblical. It's right for us to show physical affection. Does that make sense? We have to be able to show physical affection. So we're, we're hindered right now. That's okay. We'll, 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 we're, we're, we're staggering our way back to all kinds of snuggling, all in Jesus' name. So don't, 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 you know, we gotta assemble. Okay, so now we're burying our MBT members because you, you had to obey the Bible and you can't see how we were assembling online. Uh, hypocrite, 
You get why I'm saying that, right? Not one person who levies that complaint in the history of our relationship has ever kissed me every time they met me. Is this making sense? I'll, I'll blow up the break if I have to to make sure we understand this, okay? Uh, if you didn't do that, but now you're making this your hobby horse to sow division in this church, will the Lord rebuke you? You're okay with MBD de- MBT deaths? You're okay with being a stench in the nostrils of Kansas City, but you're right, because we're assembling and we're gonna thumb our noses at the mayor and our neighbors and everybody else that's freaked out and panicked. Good job, Mr. Ambassador for Christ. And you're causing strife and division in the body of Christ. Why don't you tremble at that? Why don't you tremble at the idea that you're messing with Christ's bride? As pastors, we have prayed, we have wept, we have researched, we have met, and there is no right way to do this. There is no perfect reaction. There's no right response. We do the best that we can and we stay on mission. You may not like it. Hello, welcome to the club, I get it. I don't like it either. But so help us God, by his grace, we're gonna move forward in faith. We're gonna assemble online and in person. Thank God now we can assemble in person. All the people that complain about not meeting, uh, now we're meeting, they don't come back. Where, I, wonder where, I wonder where the guy that was posting all the trash on Facebook, I wonder where he's meeting, what local assembly he's a part of now. We gotta get in the same mind because we're a local body. We have the same mission to our city. So we have to be unified in our approach. We gotta get in the same love, right? We ought to to be in that same love, verse two says. In John 13, Jesus says it this way, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Christ laid down his life loving us. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Our disagreements, Uh, we're not all gonna agree with how we've responded to this, Uh, and that's okay, I'm okay with that. Our disagreements, we can work them out. Why, because we love one another, and we want each other to be okay. We just want this to work out. If not, why not? Why don't you want this to work out? See, some of you, right, some of us, Satan's always in the wings working to tempt us. He wants to use us to sow division in the body of Christ. And we forgot how to love the first things. There's, a, there's an analogy in Revelation chapter two. In verse three it says, uh, for my name's sake, talking to the church at Ephesus, you've labored, he says, and not fainted. Now watch this, verse four says, nevertheless I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. And we know our first love is to be Christ and the word of Christ, right? Uh, the things that are Christ, that, 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 that should be where our love is rooted. And so the solution's real simple, verse five. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. In other words, in this parallel, just get back to John chapter 13, right? If you've got a love for the word of God, you're gonna have a love for the people of God, and you're gonna want them to be good. You're gonna want them to be blessed. You're gonna want them to move forward in faith. Or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Man, that makes me tremble. And it is a principle that I've seen. Okay, this, this right here on the bottom of my face, this is not costume. This is not makeup, okay? This is actually legit. That's, that's white hair 
on the bottom of my face, okay? I've been around, I've ridden this planet around the sun a few times, and I've seen this principle over and over and over again. You wanna get this down in your notes. It's a great principle. Uh, It's a horrible principle. But it goes like this, you lose what you despise. You lose what you despise. And I see this happen over and over again. It's the people who think they know everything, they despise God's people, Even though they're moving forward in faith, they despise God's people, and the result is they end up fruitless. They always always end up fruitless. Why? Because there's a sense in which they're removed out of their place because they won't repent. God help us. We need to be of the same love. We need to be of one accord, verse two says. And there's your cross-references, Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two. How do we best stay in one accord was through prayer. We've got problems. Let's take them to the Lord in prayer. In Acts chapter four, they had a big problem. And when they heard it, they lift up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. And then they just put their cause before the Lord. Uh, We all hate, we all hate what we're having to endure right now. Nobody likes distress. Nobody likes having their business messed with. Nobody likes having their freedoms messed with. Nobody likes that. Let's pray, let's lift it up to the Father. And then let's let God shake this place and let's let the word of God be glorified and let's let the disciples multiply. We can get on the same page through prayer. But then we need to be of one mind. Okay, so now think about this. If I am in Christ and you're in Christ, well then it makes sense that we'd constantly fight all the time. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm being snarky. That should not be the case, mark it down. Anytime there is discord, it's because somebody's not thinking like Christ. Those are your next two blanks. If there is discord, it's because somebody doesn't have the mind of Christ. So get this down, here's the key. We just need to know this about ourselves. We don't naturally think like God. We don't naturally think like God. And God says it himself, Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your, your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, without some objective biblical standard for us to live by, then we're gonna just end up following the pattern of Judges 17.6. Without God's thoughts being superimposed on our thoughts, well, we're gonna just do what's right in our own eyes. In Judges 17, six, the Bible says there is no standard. There is no standard bearer. There is no king in Israel. But every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And if I'm doing what's right in my own eyes and you're doing what's right in your own eyes, now we've got a group of people where everybody's right but nobody can get along. Everybody's right, everybody's personal passionate preferences, those are the gold standard, but the ministry becomes barren. What in the world? See, get this down in your notes. Here's our problem. If our passionate preferences are the standard for how we move forward together in ministry, the reality is no matter what we say about our love for the Bible, we don't really love God's word. And so we don't really have God's heart. What we really love is being right. I don't want the word of God to be the standard. My interpretation of it has to be the standard. Do you see the problem with that? And if we can't come together, if we can't come to a place of agreement over what the word says, well then how are we gonna be fruitful in ministry? And here again is the bottom line. You have passionate preferences, you have a personal interpretation of the Bible, that's fine. 
if there's any traction, if there's any truth, if there's any usage of that view, that passionate, personal interpretation of God's word, guess what? We'll all be able to see it. And we'll all be able to say amen. But if you're the only one that can see it, I wonder what, I wonder what that is. I wonder why that is. Could it be you're wrong? <laughs> you have passionate, personal opinions about what the Bible says. Guess what? I do too. Um, but so help me God by his grace. I want to be in the same love. I want to be of one accord. I want to be of one mind. I want to be like-minded in ministry. I want us to move forward together in faith. And so there are some things that I see in the Bible that I don't necessarily teach here because if I can't communicate it in a way where everybody can say, duh, obviously that's there, well then it's just not that important. I don't have to prioritize that in my pulpit ministry. Does that make sense? In other words, if, it, if you can see it and if it's true, well then we're gonna agree with you and we're gonna just say amen. But if people are checking you, bro, I don't think the book's saying what, you say, what you're saying it says. Bro, I don't... I don't think that's actually there. Oh, no, it is, it's absolutely there because I see it. Well, you may just be wrong. <laughs> Does that make sense? If it's truth, we're gonna all be able to, I mean, this is the body, MBT. We ought to be able to all see it if it matters, if it's important. See, when your thoughts don't match your brother's or your sister's thoughts or their views, watch out now. Because if you're going to stand on being right, even though nobody else can see it, all hell's going to be unleashed in our ministry. And the Bible's solution for joy, right? Fulfill you my joy. What is it? That you be, in, don't, don't follow strife. Instead, be like-minded. So whose mind are we to be pursuing? Well, obviously, it's Christ. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. Well, give me your, give me your thoughts. Give me your ways. Philippians 2.5 is a command. I mean, it's absolutely a command. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So how do we get on the, how do we get to the place? How do we get on the same page, right? How do we get to the place where we're all obeying 1 Corinthians chapter one? We're of the same mind. Well, all right, we live in the love of Christ, right? That's what we're seeing right here in verse two. We're to live in the love of Christ. That needs to start with a love for his word. If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus said it that way. Read Psalm, read Psalm 119. If we love God, we're gonna love his word. That's how we stay in the love of Christ. But then we also do it by loving his people. And if, and, if, and, if, and if I can, in order to be right, if I'm okay with you being divided, I'm not edifying you, right? I'm abusing you. John chapter 13, it's by our love for one another, like Christ loved us. He laid down his rights. He laid down his rightness. <laughs> and he took the wrong so that we could be built up, so that we could be saved, so that we could be edified, so that we could be a family. You get back in the love of Christ by seeing his for who they are. See his people as he sees them. They are worth dying for. They're worth working out problems over. And if you can throw your brother away, you don't have Christ's heart and some may, well, I mean, we're gonna deal with this for the rest of our life together on this earth. There'll be some who walk away, they refuse to work out problems, but let's not let that be on us. It ought to be that we've over and over and over again attempted to reconcile differences with brothers and sisters. Let's not throw our brothers and sisters away. Jesus said they were worth bleeding out for them at Calvary. 
so they're worth pursuing. You can work out anything with anyone if you see them right. If you see them as better than you, you can work anything out with them. And that brings us to verse number three. We need to be correct in our assessment of others. We need a correct assessment, that's your next blank. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let, let each esteem other better than themselves. So whoever you see at this church, right, whoever you see in this local church body, you need to always remember they're better than you. If you're gonna have the mind of Christ, let this mind be in you, this mind that was in Christ, that was his mindset. I don't get it, I don't understand it. Uh, in terms of my human reckoning, I don't see how it's ever possible that the creator of the cosmos could view me as better than himself. To esteem me worth bleeding out so that he could purchase me back from my rebellion against him. How do we, if you can get over that, uh, you are a hard-hearted outfit. The fact that the creator would do that for you but then to turn around now and hypocritically despise your brother because they don't hold your passionate, integrity, personal opinion, your personal preferences over some private interpretation of scripture. Come on, man. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. See, if your, let me pull out my air quotes here. If your ministry, causes conflict, division, or if it's promoting you, then you're not getting Jesus' mind and you're missing God's plan for your life. See, Paul's priority, and we're gonna see this very clearly, we already saw it in chapter one, but the priority of the believer is this, Christ first, others second, I'm last. You get that? Jesus is everything. It's by him that all things consist. He has to be first. And then you come next, I take last place, I don't need anything. Paul will see this very clearly in chapter three. Who am I after the flesh? Nobody. I mean, do the math. Jesus is everything, and if he gave everything in order to purchase brothers and sisters into his family and placed you in a body together with them, then they're worth everything too. And you say, yeah, but my, my, my position on the scripture is correct. Well, okay, is it, is it gonna lead us into heresy? Is it gonna lead us into a place where we are now rebelling against the word of God? Come on. If not, take the wrong. Take the wrong. Pray that God will open eyes. Uh, if your passionate preferences are actually the correct, the correct biblical position, don't you know the Holy Spirit is eager for you to be heard? Just pray. Keep Ephesians 4 in the body of Christ. But don't sow division. Don't sow discord. See, when you've got the mind of Christ, you realize the values of other, the value of others. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus makes this famous statement. You know, it's a prophet and lost uh, ledger. He says, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You're, the soul. Who you actually are, what you actually are, is worth everything. Don't miss that. A person's soul is of greater value than the opportunity to rule the world. Uh, the Antichrist thinks it's a good trait. He wants to rule the world in exchange for his own soul. Won't work out for him. Don't be Antichrist. Come on. Whenever you read John 3.16... For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting, eternal, right? Have everlasting life, eternal life. When they were worth spending everything, every last drop of his blood in order to redeem them out of, to redeem me out of my rebellion, if he's willing to take that level of wrong, well, we can do that for one another. It's a no-brainer why Christ would give up heaven, comfort, and glory to suffer humiliation when you see it from his perspective, right? He took the cross because he loved us more than himself, and that ought to humble us. It ought to make us ashamed of the way that we view others in comparison to ourselves. Paul's point is that once the church is unified in a biblical mindset, you don't care that you don't get your way. Bottom line is the church moving forward in faith. We took a step back, but are we taking two steps forward? Uh, we stubbed our toe. Okay, did we quit cussing and just start moving forward, moving forward in faith? Uh, get, give us the wrong. <laughs> just give it. Take it. Take the wrong. Now you don't care that you don't get your way. The body's being edified, and that's all that matters is God getting his way. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be comfortable. I don't have to be valued properly. I just want to love God. I want to love God's people, and I want to see them built up in their faith. I don't have to get my way. And that brings us to verse number four, proper in perspective. We need to be proper in our perspective. Verse four says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So today in COVID-19 days, do we attend or not? Do we wear a mask or not? Do we distance or do we hug? Again, personally, I think you can do whatever you want. Um, we're going to officially proclaim, recommend, uh, we're going to promote the CDC guidelines. That's what we're going to do. A lot of people smarter than us have put a lot of time into that. They're saying this is what's going to be the safest for most people. But nobody's watching everything that you're doing. If you've got people that you want to meet and you want to greet with a hug, you're welcome to do that. It's America. You can assume that risk. You can wear a mask or not wear a mask. The CDC recommends the wearing of a mask, especially when we're singing. Like that's how they say it can, but who knows? These guys have been wrong more times than I can count. Um, that's just the bottom line. That You can document that. Uh, it's simple. Just, just watch the timeline unfold. They just keep being wrong. Well, they're learning as they go, and that's just the way it works. So, absent knowing better, we're going to just recommend the CDC guidelines, and you need to respect that in the lives of other people. If somebody's wearing a mask, you don't jerk their mask off and tell them to get full of faith. That's wicked. Don't do that. Uh, you are are free to do what you want to do, but you are also bound to respect the opinions of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't force your passionate personal opinions on others. Grow up, be mature, and meet people where they're at. Can I get an amen on that? Okay. Here's the bottom line. It is a real disease, and it's really going to kill people. That's a fact. A lot of people who have, who have been famous for for mocking the coronavirus, ended up dying from it, okay? It is a real disease. It will really kill some people. And for the people that have immunocompromised people in their life, we're gonna respect their decision to social distance, to wear a mask, right? That's reasonable, amen? We can do that. That is reasonable. So we're gonna do that, helping people to look to the Lord. And so help us with that. Can I give you a mindset for a time, 
for a day such as this. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse 19, Paul said, though I be free from all men, I don't have to wear a mask. I don't have to do it. Yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And to the mask wearers, I became as a mask wearer that I might gain the mask wearers. To them who are bound by the CDC as under the CDC that I might gain them that are under the CDC. You get, I'm just being silly. The word of God is right there in your notes. I don't want you to miss what the Bible is saying. Stay with me. And to them who are rebels and won't wear masks, right, as without the law, not being a rebel or out from underneath the, the, their, 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 their submission to the Lord, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are rebels and non-mask wearers. To the weak I became as weak. You get, you get this, right? To the weak I became as weak that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know you not that they which run a race, uh, which run in a race, run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Run so you can get that soul. Man, I'm praying this would not be the case of one of our MBT members, that they would despise and deride somebody over their passionate personal preferences over how this virus is being handled. Oh, that we would not waste our time doing that, that we'd meet people where they are and just build them up in their faith. Get the soul, ambassador, go get that soul. Be wise, remember the judgment seat of Christ is right around the corner, go get that soul. Receive the prize, obtain the prize, get the soul. That's everything. Run that you may obtain. Now that's gonna take discipline on your part, verse 25, and every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. It doesn't have to go the way I like. It doesn't have to feel good to me. I don't have to like it. I just have to do it. I just gotta humble myself and I gotta meet people where they're at. That means personal sacrifice on my part. You know what I've loved? about the COVID-19 quarantine, nothing. I haven't loved anything about it, not one thing. And yet, you know what I've loved in terms of how God has used it? Uh, it has absolutely challenged our faith. It is a necessary trial to show us that God's enough for even a time like this. And it's become an outreach opportunity for us that we had never have had. Uh, we, ought to be, we ought to be not worried about the, the virus as much as we're, we're worried about missing the opportunities to minister during this time. We ought to be licking our chops, going after the souls of men. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. It doesn't have to get what it wants, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. More mature believers aren't afraid of the coronavirus. Uh, they're good stewards, so they're careful, uh, but they know. I mean, if you get the virus on purpose, you're gonna suffer the consequences of that, but at the end of the day, you can't die until God's done with you. And the moment God calls you home, you can be as careful as you want, and bro, sis, you're still gonna die. 
because God's telling you it's time to come home. So they don't freak out during a time like this. This is why Christians go to the hospitals. This is why Christians go to the front lines. This is why Christians are willing to hazard their life because their life is hidden in Christ. But they're careful, they're good stewards. And mature Christians don't let something like this bring division to the body that Christ bled to unite. They don't, they don't let something like this stop outreach to the lost and edification to the body. So get this down and we'll close. Focus on being fruitful, not on being right. Now again, it's important that we're right doctrinally. That is critical. And the things that are important doctrinally, we'll all be able to see it. Amen? Does that make sense? In other words, don't focus on your passionate personal preferences. I know you're right. You're right. You're all right. Everybody's opinions are right. But they don't matter. Okay, you looked at the data, you got your perspective, good. Go with that. Um, but don't, don't be the stumbling block. Don't be the mess in the life of your brother or sister. Don't be at a place where God's, in terms of your ministry, uh, the candlestick is removed and now you're unfruitful. Your light is confusion. Don't do that. Uh, this, this keeps happening. Um, I'm going to tell a story while the worship team's coming up. I'm going to close this out. All right, Eric, you'll get us lined up to worship. I have a friend. Um, he won't talk to me. He was the best man at my wedding. I actually had two best men. The way we worked it, we had an SOT wedding. And for the, those of you that go way back with me, you'll get, you'll get what that was. But uh, he's one of my best men. He, sp he spoke at my wedding. And uh, he got a viewpoint on an nth degree interpretation of scripture. And he let that be a burr in his craw. And because he didn't get the honor and the respect that he felt that was due him, he decided to use his doctrinal opinions to sow division in the body of Christ. And he, he spent his ministry strength and years on being right, proving he's right on his nth degree doctrinal position. And his candlestick got removed. And again, I'm using that passage inspirationally, but that's what happened. I mean, his, his effectiveness in ministry went from being fruitful to right down the toilet. And uh, for those of you that were close to me whenever he was coming for this new baby church plant, okay, and you, some of you will remember those days where he was pursuing our members with the goal of showing them how we're wrong on our interpretation of scripture and he is right and come out from that wicked Jezebel church, touch not the unclean thing. I mean, that was the way he was coming at our members. So he spent his whole ministry on proving that he's right on his passionate personal preferences. Uh, and it was really over, when did the church start? Uh, was it really the church that we know today in Acts 2 or was it really the church that we know today in Acts 10 or was it really the church that we know today in Acts 15 or, you know, can I just tell you, God called the church out in Matthew chapter 10, gave her her instruction in Matthew chapter 18, commissioned her in chapter 28, I mean, uh, empowered her in Acts chapter 2 and, and what was a Jewish only church ends up being a church that reaches the nations for the, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, wherever you want to say the church starts, God bless you, bro. Uh, but, that's no, but the minute you're going to divide the church 
over where you want to make that line. Now you're out of bounds. You spend your whole ministry being right. And I called it 12 years ago. He's gone to seed. His fruit bearing days are over. Because if the only way you can win disciples is by dividing them from their brothers and sisters in Christ, you're out of bounds. God can't bless you. He just can't. He can't bless you. When you have Christ's heart, you're going to see things that other people aren't going to see, and, 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 and we'll get there. If I'm right, God will prove it out. We'll all get there because I'm praying about it. That's a two-way street, by the way. If you love the truth, you're going to be willing to be corrected. You're going to be willing to be wrong. You're going to be willing to have your brothers and sisters say, bro, you're cray-cray. That isn't saying what you're saying it's saying. Does this make sense? We need to humble ourselves. And we need to be like-minded. We need to be of one accord. We need to be of the same love. We've got a common work that's going to take all of us endeavoring to keep the unity that we have in the spirit. Today, my friend has a handful of people in his house, and it's mostly his family. And he's running a cult. And what's sad is I wish he was with us here. Because the dude was so fruitful in ministry. But the word of God no longer was his final authority. It was his interpretation of it that became his final authority. And now he can't be accountable to his brothers and sisters in Christ. And so now he's gone to seed. You got to look at that and say, how am I going to come down? How's this going to work out for me? At the end of the day, we are winning souls. We're making disciples. We're training and equipping leaders. The proven fruitful leaders, those are now multiplying ministry in other places. We now have a ministry that so help us, God. It's not because we're awesome, it's because he's awesome. It's not because we're so great, it's just that we got full of faith that God wants to work through a bunch of stupid, humble, right, lame, foolish, despisable, rejected people, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That's what it pleases God to use. And he has. And now we got churches starting in, you know, we've got churches in Tampa and Lee Summit. We got churches in, um, uh, uh, starting in Boston now. We got a church starting in Vietnam. Uh, we've got, what is it? We said nine places that we're praying about where the ministry legitimately could multiply. We're going to just follow the fruit in that. Be a part of that. Be a part of something that's going to give you fruit at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, I don't know that God's going to be super impressed with you sticking to your passionate personal preference and dividing his bride over some nth degree issue that quite frankly, because the rest of the body couldn't see it, it was because you were wrong on it anyway. Hello, somebody. Can I pray for you? Uh, Father, would you bless my brothers and sisters? Would you help